So hey there, and welcome to episode 106 of the Movement and Mindfulness podcast. Today, I have got with me Jessica Patching Bunch, returning for her second time on the podcast. She was first with me back on episode 70. Jess is a stress and resilience coach, and in our chat today, we're talking all about dealing with the internal stress that comes from self-judgment. I love this chat, and I can't wait to share it with you. We're going to jump into it straight after this. Hi, and welcome to the Movement and Mindfulness podcast with me, Erica Webb of Erica Webb Yoga and Pilates. In this podcast, I, along with my guests, will explore what it means to move as an act of self-kindness and self-discovery. We'll look at the ways movement, mindset, and mindfulness support us to be and do the things we so desire in the world. I truly believe that movement has the ability to expand our capacity to show up for the things that are important to us. And I'm here to help you embrace the idea of movement as a powerful tool for wellness, rather than just another thing you think you should be doing. I'm thrilled you're here. Let's do this. Okay, we are rolling. (laughs) So I am really happy to introduce my guest today, who you have had on the podcast before. It's Jessica Patching Bunch, who is a stress and resilience coach. Um, I love talking to Jess a lot, and we've been chatting um, for quite a while before we've hit record today. And we've come into this episode wanting to talk about dealing with the internal stress that comes from self-judgment. And as a little bit of uh, behind the scenes information, it's literally what we were talking about before we hit record was our own self-judgment and you know how that kind of plays out um, in our lives and in our businesses. So um, Jess is going to, I'm sure, have some really good information for all of us to um, kind of work through this stuff because we know that it's something that affects all of us. So welcome back to the podcast, Jess. Hi, thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited to have another chat. Yes, we, I do. We can chat for ages, Jess and I, so (laughs) we will make sure that we, um, we get right into it. Can we talk a little bit first about like what can... I mean, I think probably when I say the internal stress that comes from self-judgment, most people would understand what that means. But do you want to dive into a little bit about, you know, what that looks like, what that feels like for people, um, what you mean by that? Yeah, so I think those are, there There are a lot of layers in, in mm. those questions because I think what it looks like and what it feels like is different for everyone mm. because we all have our individual experiences with that how much we do it, where it comes from, what it looks like in terms of um, how we are treating ourselves, what kind of judgment and criticism we're giving ourselves. But I, I realized recently that I was kind of looking at uh, to see if there was kind of a pattern in, in the clientele that I attracted Mm. and the people that I have worked with uh, up until this point in my business we all share similarities in this fact that we have this immense amount of, and I say we, because this was also my, <laughs> something that I struggled with and, and still do to some, to some extent, this is not, this is an ongoing journey. Um, but there are just a lot of the stress that we were bringing to the table was not from outside stressors, the traffic and the, kids and the even the pandemic and the everything that's going on just aside from the daily things hmm. but it was more so the internal monologue or judge and critic that we have saying 
like, how could you be so stupid? You just, you messed it up again. Mm-hmm. You procrastinated too much. Just all of these things that, um, that add up on a daily basis when you're talking to yourself and telling yourself that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not, you didn't do it right, whatever that looks like for you. And when you're creating this, uh, a space, an internal environment that is not safe, you are triggering that, th- that threat response just as if it were an external stressor. Mm. And so your stress response is still going off and going through the whole fight or flight or dissociative fawn, um, freeze, whatever, whatever type of response you're having, but you're triggering it from internal factors, which we talked about last time, just the fact that your brain doesn't know the difference between an event taking place inside of you or outside of you. If you're like imagining these, these bad things. Um, and so I've kind of, kind of lost where I was, where I was headed with that. But, but I think that's just when you're constantly doubting yourself and shaming yourself and blaming yourself, you don't have a trust in your safety or your ability to manage whatever challenges are coming your way. Mm. And then that leaves your brain and your body and your, your mind in this space of like constant wondering if there's threat Mm. (laughs) because you're always signaling that and signaling that you are not equipped to, to handle that. Mm. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot in there, isn't there? I think, um, I kind of want to rewind just a little bit to what you were saying in terms of when we, I know we talked about this last time you were on the podcast, so we won't dive too deeply, but this idea that stress is stress and, you know, we, from a physiological point of view, there is, you know, no difference in the cascade of things that happen in our body when we experience a stressor. Um, so what you're saying really is that like we could be in, um, I don't know, maybe we pick up the phone and we get bad news and that is a an external stressor that's going to set off this cascade of um, the stress response. But we also get, you're saying that we get the same response if we are like, God, I was such an idiot today and I did this thing and I can't believe I did that and I'm never going to be good enough and all of that sort of stuff. So that dialogue is setting off the same kind of response in our body. Is that right? Yeah, it's a similar response. And that's and that's part of the thing with it's it's so interesting because yes, stress is stress in the way that that it's internal or external and our body just responds the same way, just what you said. But there are nuances in how like studies have shown how we think about that stress mm. actually changes the physiological response. And that's mm. a little bit kind of different than what we're talking about, but just another example of how powerful your thoughts are. And I think that we neglect Mm. that a lot, or we just kind of brush that off and think it's not that important, Mm. but your thoughts create feelings and this cascading physiological effect. And that applies to just, I mean, everything, Mm. every, every thought you have is sending chemicals, signals and, and information to all of your cells as to what, what to do next mm. and so your is, state of being and safety and all of those things. Yeah. 
Yeah. So when you say that what we think about a stressor impacts the physiological response, is that like if something happened and it felt like we had no control over sort of what to do next or we didn't feel like we had any way of sort of fixing it or dealing with it, that our response might be more significant than if we felt like it's okay, I've faced this before, I know what to do, I can handle it? Is that sort of what you mean? Yeah, for sure. And um, some some of the most kind of significant studies out there that are, that have been talked about a lot are saying that if you view stress as a, as um, words have just escaped me, if you view stress as, as helpful Mm. and, and kind of as a challenge, you have this, this idea that it's a challenge that you can overcome rather than it's harmful to you. And it's a barrier that is stopping you from functioning. Mm you are releasing different types of proteins and hormones and neurochemicals that interact differently when they are released into your body. Um, And when you view stress as helpful as a challenge, because it is, it's, it's supposed to be your stress response is a biological adaptive response. That's supposed to help you learn how to survive a situation and how to perform at your best so that when you encounter a similar situation, you know what to do with it. Hmm. But like we've talked about, we're not running away from saber tooth tigers anymore. (laughs) And so there are these other things triggering our threat response, like our internal dialogue with ourselves. (laughs) Mm. And, um, and I think that's where it gets a little bit more complex. Yeah. So a funny, silly little example I mean, it's not probably silly because I'm sure that from a physiological point of view, it did have an impact. But the other day I was on the phone to one of my son's teachers and it was fine. It was a lovely conversation. Excuse me. But in the conversation, I said something I wish I hadn't said. And I said it, didn't think anything of it. And then when I hung up the phone, was like, that was a really stupid thing to say. Why did you say that? She's going to be thinking you're such an idiot. You know, I, and I want, and I'm like, how do I deal with this? Do I find a way to message her? Do I try to take it back? Do I try to explain myself? Do I, and it was so insignificant. It was such a silly little thing, but it really got me derailed. Um, and what it's making me think of when you, when you're talking is that we, we don't have good strategies for dealing with that self-judgment, do we? And so maybe we, you know, yes, stress is this adaptive kind of response, but if we don't learn how to manage it, then it becomes, far more problematic than if we go, okay, like I've got strategies for dealing with this. Is that, am I, am I sort of reading that right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the, it's kind of a double-edged sword because it is this adaptive response that is meant to be helpful. But because of that, your physiology learns very quickly how you responded in the face of that stressor, whatever that was, so that it can replicate that behavior next time. And Mm -hmm. so whatever it is that you're doing in that stressful moment, you are training your system that that is how, what response Mm. you want to be happening (laughs) later on. And so in those cases where we are not, where we don't have the tools, we don't know about it, or we're not using them or all of the other (laughs) scenarios where we just kind of let that, um, 
that voice in our head just drive us crazy and we're getting worked up about it. That's, that's what we were kind of programming in our response. And mm. so it is, even though it is a different type of stressor, the same tools apply. Mm. Being aware of what am, what am I saying? What thoughts am I allowing to go through my head right now? Are they mm. useful? Are they, are they helpful or are they more harmful where I'm just thinking about like, Oh my God. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I, because I do that. I had a similar situation recently where I just like asked, I asked somebody how to pronounce their name and mm -hmm. I pronounced it wrong because I read it wrong. And they were just kind of like, no, it's not that complicated. It's just this other thing. And I was like, you're such an idiot. Yeah. And it's not, that's not, that's not a big deal at all. But to mm -hmm. me, it was like, over a week of thinking, should I reach out? <laughs> should I, should I just, you know, apologize? And it was, they probably never thought about it again. Yeah. Yeah. But we make up these stories in our head about like, oh, they probably thought I was whatever. <laughs> we don't know that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Yes. So I went on a tangent, but the tools are, are still the same awareness mm -hmm. of what you're allowing your thoughts to be. And acceptance of this is what the situation is. <laughs> because again, we can't start from a place that doesn't exist. Mm. And so like, oh, I wish I hadn't said that, mm. but I did. <laughs> and so what can I do right now? And yeah. I'm remembering what pieces we can control, which is not going back and unsaying the thing or doing the thing or whatever it is. Mm. And then managing our both our psychology and our physiology, our mind and our body's response with the breath work, moving our body to help release mm. some of that, that built up tension and stress and, and the, that kind of energy. So it's the same either way. It's just maybe how we practice those things. And I mm. think the awareness the awareness and acknowledgement that what we say to ourselves really is significant and important mm -hmm. because I think we have, you know, we've always been taught like sticks and sticks and stones can mm -hmm. break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I guess that's when we're talking to other people, but we've always, if, or I don't know, maybe I say we, I don't know if it's just me, but <laughs> I think I've always learned that, that kind of what you what you say is just kind of you can brush it off and it doesn't really yeah, matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Mm. But those, but it's it is incredibly significant. Mm. And I think yeah. kind of ex acknowledging that is is a first piece. Mm. It's interesting. I've got um, a few friends who we sometimes like joke about this tendency to overthink after a conversation. And I mean, the number of times that this has happened in my life are, you know, I couldn't count them. There would be no way. There would be <laughs> no way to count them. Um, but it's so interesting to hear you say that, you know, we, we are ultimately teaching ourselves each time how to be responding. And I think that that's interesting because that reaction feels helpless in the moment, you know, like any time where I've had, and I had another instance yesterday where I said something to a neighbor that was fine. It was whatever. But it, once I had time to think about it, I was like, wish I hadn't said that. 
I would have said something different. Um, and, but we, we come to feel kind of helpless in that, I think, because it's just like, oh, I always do that. I always say something stupid. Then I overthink it. Then I torture myself for a week or a month or three years or whatever it might be. So is it in the moment that it's happening that we have an opportunity to kind of have a different outcome or are there things that we can do outside of those times, I guess, where we can kind of almost prime ourselves to have a different, do you know what I mean? Like to, to respond differently, or is it only in the moment we have to catch ourselves and be like, no, I'm not going down this path again. Like what are the, well, I think what are both. our options? Okay. I think both because I mean, so yes, the moment right before something happens, the space mm. in between that stimulus and your reaction or response, <laughs> that is the only time you ever have to, to adjust or to choose your response. Mm. And so, but you have to be aware of it first, mm. which I think because, you know, by the time we're in our thirties, most of us, all of us, unless we practice intentionally practice otherwise are just living on autopilot yeah. based on the thoughts and beliefs and movement patterns we've had for the past, you know, 30 plus whatever years. Because again, your brain loves efficiency. You know this. So mm -hmm. it's just, you're building these patterns. And it's like, all right, well, there we go. That's less energy spent I'm <laughs> on this, on this path I've already built. Mm -hmm. So I was actually just having a convers this conversation with a client last week talking about in order to be, to get to that proactive state where you're giving yourself the space to then practice, you know, using these tools to be able to be aware in that moment so that you can change it, change your response or choose, choose your response, whatever that you want that to be. You have to practice in, in the off season. <laughs> yeah. It's not just in the moment where you need it because with the conversation we were having was like, okay, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, my client was saying, I, I feel like I'm, I'm doing really well at practicing all these things now. And I can see these differences, but then I have this really stressful thing coming up in a few months. And I like, I worry about what am I going to do then? Mm. Like, well, you're going to continue to use these tools that you're practicing now mm -hmm. so that you have them when you need them. Yeah. But again, if we don't, if we don't practice and kind of prime ourselves for that, then, mm. then we were not going to have it available when we do need it. Mm. And that's the tricky part, isn't it? Because it's mm. hard. It can feel very hard to practice something that you don't yet need, or you don't yeah. have the perception that you need it so much, you know? Um, I mean, I don't know. I think 2020, 2021 have shown us that we need to have stress resilience tools at our disposal at all times, but um, it can feel like, you're practicing something that is theoretical in some ways. Um, yeah. Which so is that's why interesting. Yeah. And that's why it's really hard. I think for people to get into uh, a practice of doing mm. that because it, it's like, Oh, well I feel fine. I don't need that today. I feel mm. fine. I don't need that today. <laughs> and this, and I, I am also guilty of the same thing. I'll go a few days without doing my, my meditation and my breath work and my, all my little things and then I'll be like, God, I just don't feel quite right. And I'm like, I'm a little like kind of irritated. Mm -hmm. I notice that I'm like, things are bothering me more than like, more than I think that is necessary. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't been doing the things that I 
need to, mm. I haven't been in my practice. Yeah. And I can feel it now at this point when I'm off and recognize, oh, okay. See, that's I need interesting. To do these things. Yeah. That's interesting from the point of view, too, of like, sometimes getting started is the hardest part. But when we've gotten started and given ourselves long enough to do those things, potentially without reward, you know, like mm-hmm. nobody can see me, but I'm doing air quotes. Um, <laughs> we've done, <laughs> I use my hands a lot. Nobody gets the benefit of that, but um, <laughs> which is probably a good thing. Um, we've been doing these things without reward, but then we realize that when we have a period of not doing them and we feel that kind of, ugh, we realize that not feeling that way was the reward. Like there were rewards along the way, but we just didn't feel them or see them or sense them because seeing them almost requires the contrast of not doing them. And I yeah. think this is something that's really actually, I'm so, I'm so glad it came up because I think this is something that's not talked about very often. It's like build the habit just to build the habit because you, you're going to need it. Um, you know, I talk about this from a movement point of view all the time of like, how do we make it easier to do these things often because we are going to feel better, but you might not know you feel better until you stop and go, huh, hang on a minute that did work. And now that I can feel the difference, I want to go back. But we have to find a way to create that opportunity to put it into practice for long enough that we have established, you know, a baseline, I guess, so that we then do notice the contrast when we stop. Because we will stop, you know. There's there's periods of time where I um, don't do anything that I know I would like to do to help support me to feel the way I do. Um, but inevitably something will come along that makes me go, Oh yeah, I haven't been doing that thing. And I'm, and I'm feeling something as a result. Um, so that's interesting. Where's the best, like what's when you are working with people, what's the tool or the practice that you think is kind of the, uh, most significant one, I guess, to get into a practice straight away. Was that a clear question? That felt wordy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was thinking I, I got stuck on the word significant because um, I'm like, well, all of them. Um, mm. But <laughs> if we were going to just do one thing, though, <laughs> what would we be doing? I I would actually. Do I have to choose? I'm going to choose two. You can choose two. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Which two? So, <laughs> so I would do a very short bit of movement, like Mm -hmm. a minute of jumping jacks or something kind of a little high intensity, get your heart Mm -hmm. rate up and then follow that with breath work Mm. to help because what you're doing then is training because training your system to respond in the way that you want it to by Mm. stimulating the sympathetic nervous system with your jumping jacks or whatever Mm -hmm. it is you're doing to elevate your heart rate. And then you're stimulating the parasympathetic system, that calming side with your breath work. Mm. And so then you're training and managing that, bringing that back down Mm. and practicing that intentional response where you are in control of stimulating your stress. And then Mm. you are in control with a time limit of bringing that stress response back down and, and, and engaging your calming side. And that is, you know, the, those are the two, the two biggest threats to our system are uncertainty and lack of control. So when we have 
certainty because we are managing and controlling this thing and, and control over how we're managing it, mm. then that is the most beneficial way in of, of, of training your system so that when we need it, when we're in those moments and we need to choose our response, mm. our system's already been like, oh, okay, we've practiced mm. this. I know yeah, what's yeah. going on. Yeah. And there were, I want to touch back. There was a couple things that, that you touched on that they gave me some thoughts. The, I think we have learned that we need these big kind of extravagant or elaborate changes. Um, like the, the, the thought that comes to me is the before and after picture of like, you know, mm-hmm. fitness goals. Yep. And if it's not like a major change that we see a major kind of something we can celebrate, then it's, we almost brush it off and like, Oh, it's not mm-hmm. really significant. Mm-hmm. And I see this with my clients and I know that I do this myself. It's like, Oh yeah, but it wasn't like, it was just a little thing. Mm. It was just a little thing. But if we keep brushing off all of those little stepping stones, all of those little things that are paths, you know, steps on the path, then we're never signifying, we're never acknowledging it and signaling to our brain, giving ourselves those reference points of like, Oh no, I, I am in control of this thing. I managed this thing. Mm. I did this thing. This was a win. And we, we have stress coming every day. Every Mm. day we encounter stress. So we need to be releasing that stress and completing our stress cycle and managing that and training our system every day. Mm. There's not a day where we don't experience that. And so whether it's something that we feel, you know, the, the point is, is to, is to build that buffer. So we don't get to the point where we're feeling like we absolutely need this thing. We're not feeling exhausted and overwhelmed and Mm. all of these things because we're doing the work on a daily basis when we don't feel like we necessarily need it. Yeah. And, and it is, you mentioned, I, and I forget exactly what you said, but it was just, you know, we all know what to do a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And then it's just the, it is the doing it part, mm-hmm. which is why I know that you talk about this as well. And it's part of, part of your offerings, those, those little movement snacks, Mm-hmm. Those little five minute practices, they are, they do count. They are yeah. beneficial. <laughs> and so yeah. even when you think like, oh, I don't have the time or it's not going to matter, it matters. Do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, you know, I think you're right. You're so right that we make it oftentimes more complicated than it needs to be. And mm. part of that's just a habit thing too, isn't it? Like when our, when our, when we're not in the habit of doing a, breath practice, our habit is not doing a breath practice. So that's going to be the easiest thing for us to do because that's what we're doing. Um, But it doesn't need to be complicated. I mean, whenever I do a breathing kind of just, and you know, sometimes when I hear the words breath practice, I think even that sounds really complicated. I don't do complex breathing. I just breathe Um, like sort of that circumferential diaphragmatic breath. Um, So I want people to hear that too, that it doesn't always have to be complicated. Um, but, you know, that's for mere minutes at a time. It's not an hour-long class. It's not, you know, deep diving into something um, that requires, you know, a change of outfit or a change of location or any of those things. Um, so I think part of it too is like breaking down what we believe is 
like you say, like what counts and, and realizing that these very small windows of time ca- count more than, more than we can probably even, um, imagine. Um, I do want to ask you about something that you just said, and I think it's something that you might've said at the end of the last podcast, or I heard you say somewhere else. And I said, we need to talk about this cause I don't think we've covered it. You said completing our stress cycle because we are experiencing stress every day. And I mean, <laughs> multiple times a day, depending on what's going on in your life. Um, as we're recording this, um, where I am in, in Melbourne, um, Australia, we're in lockdown for the fourth time and on day like, I don't know, 12 of 14 or something. And my days have felt very stressful in the last few days, particularly because I feel like I can no longer, you know, I'm like, my, my inner dialogue, I can hear it is like, I can't deal with this. Um, and I can, and I am, so I'm catching myself doing that. But you know, we do ha- we we have these multiple stresses a day. Particularly, it, it, it doesn't take a pandemic to feel that. You know, we go out into the traffic, and we have multiple stresses just in one trip down to the shopping center, potentially, depending on what's going on. But what does it mean to complete our stress cycle? Like, how do we? What does that mean, and how do we do it? Yeah. So, yes, everything that you're saying, I'm, I, I do. I, I feel. I feel for you every time I see something on the news or mm. hear about about more Melbourne now. You're my person there that I, that I think <laughs> about, and um, but it is we have these with, with without a pandemic, without any any of the added stress and worry and all of the things that come with that. On a daily basis, we have these micro stressors from the minute your alarm ch- alarm clock. jolts you awake in the morning and then Mm. you have coffee. And then, you know, if you have kids that can come with multiple little micro stressors (laughs) if they're, you know, not ready for whatever in the morning and just traffic. And then all of these pieces, checking your email, all of the notifications Mm. you get on your phone stimulate. And that is another thing that we just, we do have, we have so many more of these little micro doses of stress because we're always connected, always having notifications, always looking at our screens. Mm. Um, And so, and so it is just, just daily. And so when your, your stress response is triggered, then you have all of these resources that your body is giving you for, you know, to save your life, which is great, Mm -hmm. except we're not in a life or death situation most (laughs) of the time now. So it's, so those resources need to go somewhere. You have all of this, this energy that needs to be spent basically. Mm. And so how to do that again, my go-to is move, move your body Mm. exercise. I, what, what I practice a lot with, with my clients is, is more of a, a medium, higher intensity, short kind of, um, Tabata style and then the breath work. Yeah. Because you're spending that energy and then you're also, and, and, and the breath work also gets that moves energy through your body. It is also moving energy. And so mm-hmm. there are multiple ways you can do it. Or even journaling is also a way to do that. Just getting some of that chaos out of your head. Um, and so just spending that, the resources that are given because mm-hmm. otherwise they're building and building and building. And then, eventually burnout happens. That's how mm. we're literally just burning ourselves up from the inside. Mm-hmm. And there was something that you said that I wanted to touch on. Oh, the time thing again. And we think it's what we deem insignificant 
in, in time, like, Oh, it's only two minutes. It's not going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Your brain doesn't work on, on clock time. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. know what time it is. Mm-hmm. It just knows that when you do a thing, a certain pattern fires, a certain, mm. a certain pattern of neurons, a certain network of neurons fire. And so when you are stimulating a certain neural pathway, then it becomes stronger and stronger. You can do that thing for an hour or you can do that thing for a minute. You're still firing the same pathway. Mm. And so even if you don't think you have the right outfit or the right, and I love, I think that's why I love your work so much and I resonate so well with it because it, it, it isn't, you don't have to, if you have time to go to an hour long, whatever kind of class. And that's, that's something that I, I try to be really mindful of when I'm talking, you know, when I'm kind of putting out my content for my audience mm. is letting them know that if you have time for the, the hour long class of hour long yoga class or breath work or what a movement of whatever kind, that's fantastic, but that's not necessary. You don't mm. need to be dressed a certain way. You don't need to look a certain way. You don't need any certain equipment. It's just what you can do with your brain, your body, your breath for literally two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah. And yeah. that is beneficial. I think when we recognize too that the stress itself happens in a moment, mm-hmm. we start to realize too that you know, time, it's not like we need to be exposed to stress for an hour before we feel it. We feel it instantly. You know, I was even thinking when you said how um, we're so connected and and so these notifications that pop on our screen are little micro stresses. And I'm just thinking of, um, you know, something really almost very superficial, but, but real. Um, I know <laughs> this is this feels vulnerable to say because it makes me sound a bit shallow, but anyway, I'm going to say it anyway, as someone who puts a lot of content onto the internet, there is this very real feeling that comes when you put something out into the world and you are gauging the response back, you know, so you're looking for likes, you're looking for comments, you're looking for shares, you're looking for all these things. And I, as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, you sound so shallow, but it is a very real thing. And that feeling that comes with checking your social media, which you don't have to have a business to understand this feeling. That happens in a split second when you either have a notification that, yeah, you've had five likes or you've had a notification of like nothing, there is no notification because nobody liked it or whatever. Like it happens in a split second and it absolutely impacts what happens next. If we have, you know, if we allow it to, I guess. Um, And so I think it's important to recognize that when a stress can happen so quickly and does day in, day out, over and over again, that it's, it's almost ludicrous to think that the only way to deal with that is then with an hour of time. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. If it can happen in a second, then we can have an impact in a very short period of time too. So, but I think we feel, I think because it happens so automatically and we're not conscious necessarily of it happening until we sort of feel it. Mm. Um, And even then we might not be conscious of it because it's just so familiar um, that we, we feel more comfortable accepting that we don't have control. I think. Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I have so many, so many thoughts coming to me. Mm. Um, A couple so that's the stress happens instant, you know, in, in the split second, like you said, mm-hmm. and then 
the idea, you know, the, 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 the way it's supposed to work is your stress response kicks on almost immediately when it, when, when you perceive a threat yep. of whatever kind so that you can run away or fight or <laughs> all the things. Hide. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then you are supposed to, your body gives you the resources and then you spend them and then it's over and that cycle is complete. Mm. And that's, I don't, have you ever read, I know uh, why, why zebras don't have ulcers? No. I think we, oh. I don't um, think so. I think you, I'm going to write that down. Enjoy that. Um, it's just, it's, it's about the physiology of, of the mm. stress response. And, you know, the, the whole kind of idea is that animals in the wild don't have ulcers or the problems, mm-hmm. all the myriad of, of physical illnesses that we have from stress because they're not ruminating on it. They don't have the, the higher level cognitive functions to sit there and think mm. about, oh my God, does she think I'm an idiot because I asked <laughs> about her name and said it wrong for three weeks afterwards? <laughs> they're scared. Their stress response kicks in. They go and shake behind a bush or you know run it off or get rid of that energy in whatever way. And then that's it's it. Done. There is nothing mm. after that. They go mm. about their business eating their grass until the next predator comes and then the cycle continues, but it's not, they're not thinking about like, oh my God, when is this going to happen again? Remember the last time this happened, mm. I'm an idiot because I didn't jump high or that's, <laughs> there's none of it. And so going back to kind of our thought process about it and that internal and external stress, just thinking about that thing over and over again. So the original stressor happens and that triggers it. But then every time we remember that, it is also triggering that same stress response. So Mm. every time we revisit that, like, oh God, this thing, stress response. Mm. And so then we are just reliving that over and over and over again, just because we want to think about it all the time. Mm. Why do we do that to ourselves? It's like you can feel it happening. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) It's so, it's interesting, isn't it? Even as people who kind of know what, like sometimes you think, do we just not know enough? But we know stuff. And it's like, why do we torture ourselves with that? You know, the number of times I cannot even tell you over that day where I said the silly, and it wasn't even that silly, but I said the silly thing to the teacher, the number of times that I brought that back up for myself and worried about it. And And had this visceral reaction. Yes, every single time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's just interesting because I guess the other thing is that at what level, I don't know, the thing that's coming up for me is that we can repress the thought, I suppose, but on what level is the um, the physiological kind of stuff still happening? Do you know what I mean? Like if you just try to ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, but it's sort of still playing in the background, how does yeah. it, how do we resolve it? You know, like it, that's the thing is it's sort of, oh. So that's the thing. It's not about ignoring it and no. pretending it's not there. And, you know, pretending like the, the whole, I'm fine. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's it. fine. We're fine. It's fine. <laughs> yes. It's not fine. You're just pretending. And that's not yeah. helpful because again, it's still there. Mm. And that's where I think that recognizing that self-judgment comes in mm. because as long as you are still secretly <laughs> in this other corner of your head, judging mm. yourself, for like, God, how could I be so stupid? I said this thing. Mm. As long as you're continuing to hold on to that and really 
put any kind of weight in that, mm. it's going to still exist there. And I think that, and that is the really hard, mm. the hard part to sit with for a second. And for me, okay. I go through the, I kind of go through the, the questions I, I ask myself, okay, I did this thing. Can I do anything about that right now? Mm. Now that it's done, what can I control? Okay. I could reach out and, and say something. Do I feel like it, that is necessary? Is that something I want to do? Do I feel like it's really that big of a deal to, to make that effort and, and do this? And I have to answer that question. Mm. And like with the, with the name example that I gave earlier, my conclusion was no, she's probably not even thinking about it anymore mm. because we like to pretend like we can know what somebody else is thinking and their thoughts about us. They must be thinking how, what an idiot they're not, they're having dinner. They don't yeah. care about what we're thinking <laughs> because it wasn't that important to them. Mm. And if it was, then there can be a conversation later if mm. that, if that's a thing, but until that point, we're just making shit up. Yeah. Yep. And so I think again, to kind of bring this full, full circle to the, that self-criticism and self-judgment is such a huge piece because we can mm -hmm. try to just, okay, I'm just going to put this out of my head. But as long as we still feel mm -hmm. a certain way about it, it is still going to be affecting us. And so we have to sit with that feeling mm -hmm. and then be able to accept that we're all humans and we make mistakes mm -hmm. and maybe kind of think about like, was it really a mistake or did I just, cause with me, I know you, mm -hmm. you kept saying like, it was a silly little thing. It didn't even matter. And most of the time it is. For, mm. for, for myself, when I think about like, yeah. that's so insignificant. Why am I even still thinking about this mm. and really make the choice to, I don't know, forgive myself in the moment and say like, okay, I felt like I really messed this up, but I know it's such a, such a tiny thing that doesn't matter. I have to forgive myself and move on. Mm -hmm. And I guess there would be so, I mean, there are so many examples and I can think of so many in my own life where it isn't so small, you know, maybe you've done something that's yeah. really hurt somebody else or you've um, done something or you have a, a, a thought process and a track where you've really turned your, your self-judgment has really turned very destructive. Um, and I guess what I'm hearing you say is that there's a difference between completing the stress cycle from a physiological point of view, but then there's this, this need to deal with the fact that that self-judgment is continually kicking us back into that process. Um, and so really if we're feeling that, I guess, almost chronic stress as a result of our internal judgments, self-judgments, we can't ignore that as part of our picture of sort of um, managing our stress. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that is, I, I am, I'm coming to see with the people that I work with. And also when I think back about 
myself and how, God, I just used to say I was such a mean person to myself Mm. and that carries over. I I think, you know, hurt people, hurt people. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a very real thing. Yep. I was not a very nice person for a long time. I was not pleasant to be around. I was incredibly judgmental of other people and had nothing to do with anyone else, except that's what was happening. That's the way that I treated myself as well. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to treat other people a different way. Yeah. And I was not, it wasn't a conscious choice. I wasn't like, Oh, look at all this self judgment and hate. And you know, I'm just going to ignore it. I didn't even know it was there Mm. to the point where, you know, my husband would say things to me just about like, do you like, do you hear the things you're saying to yourself or about you? And I, I really did not. I, Mm. it did not kind of register as a red flag with me or even any flag at all. It just wasn't there. I think that when we have those kind of long practiced thought patterns towards ourselves, it's really hard to recognize them, which is why, you know, therapy or a coach or, or sometimes even just like therapeutic interactions with our, with your trusted loved ones Mm. are necessary because we can all see things Mm. in other people that, they can't necessarily see in themselves because when Mm. you're in it and that is your pattern until you train yourself to really be like, get curious and investigate, like, what am I saying? Is that true? Is it helpful? Mm. Is it nice? It just kind of, again, we're on that autopilot. It just does its thing without us really, really taking that time to investigate. And so it's just there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Therapy for the win. (laughs) Yeah. It's um, it's interesting to think that we we oftentimes in our lives don't have that insight into the way that we are um, treating ourselves and talking to ourselves and and judging ourselves. Um, I am looking at the time and homeschooling. Need to go get back to <laughs> teaching my children, which is a whole other pile of stress. But anyway, um, (laughs) we like, I'm wondering how we wrap this up in terms of, you know, what, um, practical, actionable thing could we kind of leave people with, I guess? Cause it's a lot. It is. It is a lot. And it is. And again, it's different for everybody. I think, Mm. I think two things, getting a practice where you are building that space to slow down and, and recognize the thoughts and the patterns that you're having and just focusing on how you're breathing for two minutes a day. So your focus is not on that constant stream of thoughts going on Mm. in your head produces just a little bit of space so that you start to notice, Oh, okay, I just, I'm thinking these things. Mm. What are they? And so allowing yourself just to, to cultivate that awareness is, is the first thing because, Mm. you know, if we're not aware of something, we can't do anything about it. I think another good, the next kind of step would be also if you're feeling, if you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed or just kind of not quite right or angry, angry towards yourself, write down 
everything that's in your head. Hmm. And I, I go back and forth between saying, saying using the word journaling or not, because Mm -hmm. I think it's, I found that for a lot of people, it has a very like weighted, it feels Mm -hmm. very heavy. Like so many people tell me like, I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Just there's no, there's no way. (laughs) Just literally write down every thought you're having. And then you can kind of go back through those and help yourself sort through and see what, what kind of thoughts are in your head. Mm -hmm. So you can start to manage them. Um, I had a third one and it's completely escaped me now. Um, yes. I don't know. My head is gone <laughs> blank, but o- awareness is always the very first thing and giving yourself the space to, to cultivate that awareness because, because we're busy. There's a lot going on. We're all, mm-hmm. again, we're always connected. So just giving yourself a space of, of time where you're not, outwardly focused on something else helps you bring that awareness inward to what is happening in your head. Mm. What is allowing, what you are allowing to, to just take up residence. Yeah. I think about it like this. I have, I heard this somewhere. It's, I can't remember where I read it. I think I read it somewhere. Um, but it was just this idea that if you had a roommate that lived in your one bedroom flat And they were just always just like saying the meanest things to you and just putting you down and telling you how like you weren't doing anything right. And just all day, every day, just Mm -hmm. picking apart everything you're doing and thinking just like, oh, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. Like, you're really an idiot. Would you let them stay there? Mm. No. (laughs) No. I hope Uh, not. Don't. Don't let them stay there. (laughs) So why do we let our why do we let ourselves just continue to have these thoughts rent free in our head? Mm. Mm. Yeah. And you're right. It's probably because oftentimes we haven't even taken the time to notice that they're there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot Mm. of the time when I work, because this is a big thing that I do work with my clients on. And that is one of the biggest kind of ahas. It's like, I never even noticed I was doing that. And now Mm. I, I notice it. Yeah. And once we see something, we've seen it, haven't we? And it's very hard mm. to dismiss that put again. That back in the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Once you've opened the lid, it's like, okay, <laughs> now we're going to have to yeah. do something about this. Um, well, I think yeah. that's the hardest part too, because it is once you see it, then you do, then you know kind of where it's coming from and it's harder mm-hmm. to ignore and write off as something else or blame it on something mm-hmm. else. You have to take some so responsibility. You do have to take action. And- yeah. Or responsibility or at least, you know, acknowledge and, and it's not easy work. And so mm-hmm. I think that also is, is kind of a, can be a barrier for people just realizing like, once you, once you dip your yeah. toe in there, you yeah, kind of, it's not easy work. It's going to yeah. be some work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? We can say, make it easier by, by, you know, not taking an hour and and doing these small things. But the reality is that it's still not easy work. It's It's, still uncomfortable. It's It's still uncomfortable. And, and I think, um, we get better at being uncomfortable though after a while, don't we? Like I, 
I know I went through a period where I basically just threw my hands up and was like, I'm not doing any more of this self-development stuff. I'm done because Mm -hmm. I'm exhausted by it. And I think for me, that was because I wasn't leading from kindness. I was leading from like, how can I just fix myself? And that was a Mm. whole other problem. Mm. Um, But (laughs) that was, that was one of those ones where I was like, oh, I could do this differently. Okay. Um, But over time, my perspective shift has been towards like, this is an act of kindness towards myself and that's changed things completely. But it is, it it does get, I think a little bit easier to be uncomfortable, but it doesn't ever not become uncomfortable. You know? No, growth is always uncomfortable. Always. But the more that we, the more that we do it, the more we, we do dip our toe in that discomfort, Mm. the more we kind of, the more we have those reference points that we can handle it. Yep. And as long as we are controlling how much of that discomfort we're kind of getting, or I say controlling, I don't like that word because I feel like it gives, there's so many kind of nuances to it, but as long as we, we are, are supervising mm-hmm. how much exposure we're having to that discomfort. Mm. And then we can pull back and be like, Hey, I'm exhausted. I'm done mm-hmm. with this for now. Yep. Um, then Again, all of those things, the reference points, the wins, the knowing that like, okay, I tried this thing and I can do it so I can go forward and do something similar and Mm. I'm in control. So I know how it's going to happen. So we're not having that uncertainty and lack of control and and just stepping out into like this whole new territory. Mm. Yeah. (sighs) Thank you. I, um, thank you. You know how much I, I love so chatting love with our you. conversations. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mutual appreciation. I just think that you've got so much, um, you know, amazing experience and, and wisdom to share with us. And I'm really grateful for you doing that. Um, I know we will have shared it last time and I'll put it in the show notes, but just remind me your um, Instagram handle so we can make sure people go and find you. And because you share so many lovely, simple tips too there, which I love and always appreciate. When I was scrolling Instagram this morning, um, Jess also has her own podcast, Brain Body Resilience, which I highly recommend. And I was sitting there, um, you know, making myself breakfast, already sort of feeling something about the day ahead because of the way things have been the last few days has been really challenging. And um, an episode of of Jess's from from this week popped up about, uh, you know, choosing how you want to feel, which was made me laugh because it's something that I talk about a lot as well. And I was like, I needed somebody else to tell me this today. And um, so, you know, just shares all of her podcasts over on Instagram and lots of really simple, easy to digest tips. Um, so just remind us what the handle is. Thank you, friend. I think when we're so immersed in this work that we're doing, which is <laughs> similar, it's so we have to hear it from somebody besides ourselves. Again, mm-hmm. we know the thing, but hearing it in a different way or at a different time is always useful. So, um, so I'm glad you found that. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, I spend so much time there. It is JPB for Jessica Patching Bunch. It's much shorter. JPB dot brain body resilience. And then, yeah, I think that one is... I have my website and all of those things you can find. Um, with the I'll link put it in all in the show notes for sure. Yeah, but that's always the best one. Message me there, or you know, if you want to chat. Yeah, find me. Perfect. I love it. Well, thank you again so much. I will look yes, forward to thank you for you again me. soon. Bye. Okay, sounds good. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Movement and Mindfulness Podcast. I hope you loved it. And if you did, maybe share it with a friend who would love it too. 
And I'd also be so grateful if you'd take the time to subscribe, rate and review the show. It makes such a difference to get that feedback. And if you're over on social media, why not come and find me? You'll find me at Erica Webb Yoga on both Instagram and Facebook. And over on my website, you'll find access to some free resources, including free classes that will help you to move well, feel well, and most importantly, move with kindness. Over there, you'll also find more information about joining me inside the Mindful Movement Virtual Studio, which is my home of kind movement, yoga, Pilates, and somatics to help you move well, feel well, and all with kindness. Until next time, I hope you're having a great day. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.